Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. The main account is at 2ND City Hockey. If you want to support our continued existence on these interwebs, one thing you can do for us is wherever it is you're listening to this podcast, leave us a five-star review. Uh, Say something nice about us in the reviews. Leave us four stars or less, and we'll assume you're a Blues fan. SecondCityHockey.com is the place for everything else we do around these pars. Uh, News updates, previews and recaps of every game, discussion threads for everyone where you can hop in and talk about the ongoing Hawks game with your fellow Blackhawks fans, including right now, while the Hawks are playing against the Philadelphia Flyers. It's not going well, but most of the games haven't this year, so you can pop into the game thread and commiserate with everyone else. Uh, That website's also where you can continue supporting this operation by signing up for the exclusive content we produce with uh, prospect reports, random analysis, commentary, all this other good stuff. Uh, $5 a month into the Corey Crawford tier 10 bucks a month in the Connor Bedard tier and there's unique perks with each category and the merchandise is still up if you wanted to make uh, everybody know what website it is you go to when you're looking for information on the Chicago Blackhawks with that preamble out of the way we're a little shorthanded this evening but I'm going to bring in the two line mates who are with me this evening up first she's not on Twitter but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR where she is the second city hockey bull and wall of text it's Betsy it's been what, like three podcasts, four since we've had everybody all together. Yeah, it's 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 been we we've got a we've got some injuries. We've got uh, <laughs> we, I believe we just just uh, termed you as having an upper body injury last week. Uh, we've had some work conflicts. Uh, just just a lot going on this season. Yeah, this is mostly a conditioning stint right now for me. I'm gonna try. <laughs> <my> goodness, but... <laughs> Um, we're yeah hoping to get your legs back under you before the uh before the end of the well month maybe i don't know well it's uh, so anyway i'm i don't know what i have some type of thing that makes me cough a lot but i coughed so hard that i pulled a muscle in my side i think i told you that on slack and so every time i'm we're gonna take a break if i start talking middle of the thing dave's gonna be like and we're gonna go over here (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna digitally point to eric every time just be like hey (laughs) exactly so as you might guess also with us this evening on twitter at eric geg and not full of any trepidation in joining this conversation he is the second city hockey pizza correspondent eric eggenheimer uh no trepidation here for sure (laughs) february 21st which is the day today that we are recording is a very important date to me uh that is the day my wife and i got our first rescue dog um his name was willis he was the coolest so I just wanted to give him an extra shout out today. Um, and for anybody out there who ever is interested in getting a dog, go rescue a dog. Do not ever buy a dog. Uh, he came from Chicago Animal Care and Control on Western Avenue in Chicago, and he was the best. So uh, I miss you, Willis. Not to bum anybody out. Um, let's let's talk about some hockey. <laughs> you don't want to bum us out. <laughs> Listen, you, I had to do it. I'm not trying to bum anybody out. No, no, no saying, I, the hockey's going to be bummed. I, that's exactly what I was. Oh, saying. I gotcha. I gotcha. I mean, yeah. two guys who I I feel like their names are mostly made up. You know, obviously we have Reese Johnson, whose name I feel like is whatever, and then some kid named Nick Steeler. Steeler, who are these people? Non-existent. Wasn't Steeler on the Blackhawks for? A yes, minute? he was. Yeah, he came over. He came from the wild. He was here. I don't think it was still Quinville, but yeah, he was here for like a minute or two, and that's why all of a sudden he they I saw him on like some big board <laughs> six games, and they were like, oh yeah, you know he's he's this great defense, and I was like, what? Like when did this guy ever get good? But I guess he's 
He's 30, and I didn't know who his name was, and he played for our team. That means he was not good. And I was never good. Except he did face punch Reese pretty hard. So maybe he's a good face puncher. Is that who they think he fought him in the second? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Made up names, though. (laughs) Nick Sealer and Reese Johnson, yeah. Yeah. I actually really like the name Reese. It's just the combination of Reese Johnson. Just, yeah. It does sound a little fake, yeah. yeah. I I always think of like, Reese from Terminator, so I just no complaints it, there. I was thinking like Reese from like, Malcolm in the Middle, so. I, it sounds like a name you're trying to like <clears throat> do your fake ID. You're like, you're like, I want to, I don't, I don't want it to sound fake, you know. So I want to, but I want an interesting name. So I'm gonna pick Reese, and then they're like, oh no, but that's too interesting. You got to go with something like really generic, like McLovin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that seems great because uh, jo- uh, Jonas, what's his last name? Jonah Hill. Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. Yeah, he um hated that act. He like hated everything that that kid did. Apparently, the entire movie, like he did not like the actor that played McLovin, and that is his like actual anger in that f- that scene. He got really upset about something, and people were like, "Yeah, that that was him being really mad." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I yeah. just I had that fresh in my mind because uh that exact scene came across my Twitter timeline today, so I was just it was front of mind. Um so uh speaking of other things that are front of mind because it's on my TV as I'm talking, uh the Chicago Blackhawks are are losing to the Philadelphia Flyers three to one, which is about the way things have gone lately and probably will continue to go for most, if not all, of the rest of the season, save for a few nights where kind of Bedard does something cool. And that's actually a perfect segue into uh, last week. I felt like we were like myself, Mill and Eric with Betsy was out and myself, Mill and Eric, we were all just kind of ready to be on the similar deathbed that Betsy was on because watching the Hawks made us question our desire to live any longer. And then the next day, Bedard uh, made that surprising return to the Penguins and of the first 20 minutes didn't look so great. And then the last 40 minutes, he looked like his old self. And then the Hawks lost anyway, which is pretty much a perfect summation of how this entire season has gone. But uh, Eric, you were sitting next to me for that game at the United Center. So uh, just what were your thoughts when A, you found out Bedard was coming back and B, uh, just watching him play for the first time in a little over a month? I always had a sneaking suspicion that he was going to try to force his way back for that game if he could, just because of Crosby. Um, so I was, I guess I was a little surprised when on Monday they were like, Oh yeah, no, he's definitely, he's got to get checked out again. It's probably going to be at least another week. Um, and then it was just interesting kind of watching the the news cycle, if you will, where it was all of a sudden, like he might be playing tonight. And then everybody's freaking out because he hasn't had any contact in practice yet. And then they basically confirmed that he was coming back. And they're like, listen, nobody's going to check him in practice anyway. What is the matter? Well, um, did you see the part that, that the morning of Luke Richardson was hitting Bedard in practice? They are they had a separate skate to make sure he was ready. And Richardson was literally hitting Bedard into the boards and shit at practice. I think Ben Pope tweeted about it. I saw the tweet. Yeah, obviously I didn't see Richardson no, checking. No, no, they didn't ask. They didn't invite us out for that. No, they didn't show that video. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, for the first twenty minutes or so, you said it. It was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe, uh, maybe he should have taken a little bit more time. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it's just amazing. And I think it was one of the CHGO guys. I think it might have been Mario. Um, was like it's just amazing how much he changes the entire complexion of the team just by being there, and it's it's like it's palpable when he has the puck, like you lean forward, you know, and you're kind of like, yes. okay, what's he what's he gonna do? It what's is the meme. Happen? It's the meme. <laughs> it's yeah, the exact meme. Yeah. It's Leo. Um, but even tonight, you know, he he does not have a point yet. But there was a play where he was rushing against fake guy Nick Sealer. Um, <laughs> And he stick checked him without the puck. He yeah. purposely pulled the puck into himself, then pushed Sealer's stick away to give himself a little bit more time. And it led to him kind of having this deke and backhand move that was a really nice move, but Urson made a good save. Um, it's just not only is there no one else anywhere in this organization that can do that, 
But there's, I mean, there's very few players in the NHL that can do that. And just that he's doing that as an 18 year old, that he's doing that after being off for like six weeks, like, and, and there was a player two against Pittsburgh that are, they kind of get lost because it's not a big, it's not a goal. It's not an assist. It's not a deke. It's, but there was just one where he was tracking the puck and it was coming back the opposite way. And he just kind of put his stick up at a weird angle and like knocked it out of midair. That it's just, he does these little things that show you like his ability, his skill, and his hockey sense that are still just unbelievable. And sometimes I'm like, you almost can't believe how good he is right now at this point. Like I keep waiting for something, you know, it's even now, like <laughs> I'm at a loss for words sometimes to adequately like explain just how good he is and some of the things that he's doing. And it was also really cool to see how quickly he and Ke- uh, he and Kirsch have got right back on the same page where there was, like again, the first twenty minutes were a little shaky, but by the second and, and into the third period of that Penguins game, like there was a ton of just uh, area passes or blind no look, just throw this puck into this area because the other guy's going to be there, and they were uh, generated just a score a bunch of scoring chances themselves. But yeah, like the the thing that stood out the most was to your point, Eric, the thing about just the you can hear just the little buzz in the crowd. It's like you collectively feel everybody in the stadium lean forward when Bedard has the puck on his stick and he enters the zone with the room to do something cool. Like everyone's leaning forward, like, Oh, maybe this is the highlight reel. And every time there was, you know, probably a dozen times alone in that one game where it happened. And it's, we get that just about every night when he plays. And I don't think you recognized how much fun it, you forgot how much fun it was to watch him in that month when he didn't play. Well, it just makes it so much more interesting. Like it's, and, well, you know, <laughs> makes it it's interesting almost, period. <laughs> yeah. And when he's not on the ice, I'm like, okay, you know, how long until he's back on the, on the ice? And some of that is, there's not a whole lot of enjoyable stuff to watch this year, at least so far and probably won't be. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's next level. It's, it's, it's a whole different thing with him. Betsy, what about you? What are your thoughts on Bedard coming back in the last week? Well, I want to I want to say that I feel like the team without him was trying their hardest. I feel like they try nine out of ten games. Like tonight, it doesn't look like they're trying, but nine out of ten games, it looks like they're giving it their all, and they're just the, the skill isn't there. So the minute you drop, like not just skill, but like top level, amazing, like. You know, once he got his feet under him after the first 20 minutes of that first game, it was Bedard. It was him as he usually is. And it's just so fun to watch. And it makes even bad games worth it in a way. Like those other games, no matter how hard they were trying, it just kind of felt like uh, you're watching for the sake of watching it because it's your team and we have to cover them. Um, But Bedard is just otherworldly sometimes and we've got we got spoiled with having such talented teams during the cup runs but none of them come like even Patrick Kane doesn't come to the things that um like his skill level didn't come quite to the level that Bedard's does you know so it's just it's fun again it's like interesting again um that's mean to say but he's really (laughs) he and Vlasic and Korchinski are really the only players that you're really that interested in and Vlasic's so underrated, like understated in how he plays. Like it's great, but it's so steady and under, like it's just done so well and so calmly and poised. And then Korchinski is quiet right now. I don't, he's, you'll see a couple of flashes, but I think he, they're working on trying to get him defensively steady. Um, and then the other younger guys that are rotating in and out, you're like, okay, this is kind of interesting. I like them a little bit, but they're not steady enough because I keep putting them with fucking Tenorti and shit, you know? <laughs> She's <laughs> back. I know. Um, so it, those are great, but it's it's not like watching Bedard. So from a purely fan perspective, it's it means that watching the games feels a little bit more uh, interesting and entertaining. And, and like the the point, like we, when you're talking about the skill level he has and how it surpasses anything the Hawks have ever had, including Patrick Kane, and this is his rookie season. Like that's that's the other part of this whole equation is 
he should and will get better from here. Like this is just the beginning. There's more things for him to figure out. There's more things to do. Maybe he gets two competent line mates at some point in his future. And then God knows what the three of them can do together. Cause right. Like uh, the goal, it wasn't against, uh, it was against the hurricanes on Monday night where there was this really cool passing interchange between Bedard and Kershev. And then Kershev essentially bounced the puck in off of Nick Foligno. <laughs> like, I don't think it hit Foligno. Now credit to Foligno. He was there and he kind of positioned his body. So the puck would angle in, but it wasn't like he ripped a really cool one timer. He just, put his body there and let it bounce into the goal. You get somebody there, uh, a, a third player who has the same hockey IQ and hockey ability that Kershev and Bedard do. And I mean, it's, it's, it could be even more fun to watch. So, but unfortunately, go ahead, Eric. No, I'm not even entirely sold that he sticks with Kershev long-term. I mean, oh, that's, sure. that's the best option now. And it seems like they have developed some chemistry and, you know, he's, he's talked about playing with Kershev Bedard has and how much he enjoys it, you know, since he's been back. And I think that's the one thing that's always kind of been, you know, I guess tantalizing about Kurashev is he seems to have a really good hockey IQ and he has an aptitude for making certain types of plays that aren't just like normal hockey plays, you know? And, and I always think back to that. I don't, it was one of his early goals, but it was a rush against the Red Wings where he made like this double deke and it's just, it's a beautiful goal. It's a wonderful goal. And that's, I think the thing that made everybody say like, this guy has more to him than that. But, I mean, we still haven't seen him, you know, put it all together. Um, so maybe they do end up playing together for a while or maybe it's just a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, if if they can get cooking with – I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous mm-hmm. the things he's doing. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think we like we've all been longstanding Phil Kershaw fans around these parts. I think we're at the like I, I don't think any of us are proclaiming him as a like top line gotta be their guy, but if he compliments Connor Bedard well and they you know they establish a chemistry that works for several years in the future, he kind of becomes a top line guy just by his association with Bedard. And then uh but also like if Kershaw like had to like on better teams, you slot him down to like the third line where he doesn't have to face the other team's top defensive threats and maybe Kershev is a bit of a bum slayer in that role too. So, so there's, there's ways to, it seems like there's, if, if nothing else, there's a, a worthwhile NHL player there that should be around for the long term Cause he's only what, like 23, 24 years old. So he'll, he'll be here. I think is the general idea. Yeah, absolutely. He's, I mean, he's inexpensive now. And even if he maxes out and he's like a 50-point guy, I mean, that's not the type of thing that's ever going to break the bank for you. And if he's, you know, dependable, and it seems like obviously Richardson likes him a lot, um, you know, yeah, why why wouldn't you keep him around for, you know, uh, as long as he's contributing? So uh, on what's probably the complete end of the spectrum for uh, Blackhawks things at the moment, uh, Lucas Reichel was sent down to the AHL on Sunday ahead of the, uh, I believe Rockford played on Monday. I think it was against the Iowa wild. And I think they lost that game. I, I actually haven't checked Reichel's stance since he went down to Rockford. I don't imagine they're well, I, I don't, I haven't, we're, we're going to look and talk at the same time, but um, he doesn't, he's only played in one game and he didn't get a point in it. It was okay. It was just that game on Monday then. So yeah, so nothing to report yet. It's going to be a while before, uh, it's going to be a while before anything I think comes out of that just cause it's, you're going to be, even if he scored a hat trick in his first game down there, he wouldn't immediately be cured of all the things that are ailing him. So it's going to be, it's going to so be a process. To be fair, they're playing right now. And I think he does have an assist. Normally I would be watching Woo! the Hawks. Over the Hawks, but start the parade. Um, he has an assist, maybe two assists, but at least one assist for sure. Okay, he's not on the top line, which I think is interesting. Who is uh, Rem Pitlick? Is he in top line minutes down in he the He is end? getting, okay. I mean, to be, I haven't looked at the actual number stats because sometimes, even if you're, um, like, for example, Domastro is on technically the second pairing, but he gets the most minutes. Kaiser gets the second, and he's on the top pair, 
technically. Because um, Kaiser and Roos get the most minutes as a pair. Delmeister gets the most overall. But um, it's Gutman, Pitlick, and Sini, um, which makes sense a little bit. Sini is one of their better players. And I think that they put Reichel with um, Hardman because they've had um, chemistry in the past. So, so there's that. Uh, fingers crossed that Reichel figures it out just because um, I, I don't think uh, development of prospects is never linear or not always linear. So maybe he just needs to go down to Rockford and figure some shit out and he comes back and he's better or, or maybe he's not. I, I think I'm, I remember when he first started getting slid down in the lineup and ultimately got benched a few games. I remember like we had a discussion and where I was kind of in the, uh, the spiraling down into like, this is like Jeremy Moore and Brandon Peary all over again. They're going to bring him up, uh, play him, drop him down the lineup, scratch him. And the cycle is going to go on and on and on until they just end up trading him, and he's not going to work out here. Um, I remain unconvinced that that's not the ultimate conclusion here. I'm not saying it's likely one way or another. I, I just, I have, I, I, I feel like this, I have a sense of pessimism about his, uh, his long-term situation in Chicago that I did not have at the start of this season. So I don't know where Betsy, where you stand on that. Sorry, repeat my brain. <laughs> it's just, are, are you, I like I'm overall pessimistic about Reichel's long-term status with the Blackhawks now and significantly more pessimistic than I was at the start of this season. Are where are you at on that scale? Um I think it's fine to be pessimistic. I'm not as optimistic, but I still think he's a good player. Um I don't think the Blackhawks as they are constructed are players that he can play with like stylistically. Um, yeah, that that's, think, a, that's my, that's my hope too, is that, that better, better teammates will get better results out of him. Yeah. And when he played with Kershev occasionally, or sometimes with Radish, he had some, he had okay chemistry with him um, and Bedard, there would be flashes of it, but I feel like they tried that too late with him. And by then his confidence was hurt. Um, and so I, he's only 21 and people like look at Kershev now at 21 Kershev wasn't doing a lot. I, people are very weird about like misremembering how Kershev was trashed the last two seasons because they used to like hop on us all the time. Cause we were all like, we still have faith in Kershev and all this other stuff. And they'd be like, no, he's, he's done, you know? And then this season they're like, Oh, he's the only other good player. I was like, no, you guys were all hating him. You hated him because he didn't get over like 0.35 points. And you're like, he'll never be a top line player. And it's like, first of all, we never said that. But second of all, he's going to be, he's a capable, probably should top out at second line. But, you know, depending on the chemistry, he could go up. Um, We've seen that before. But I don't know. It's like it's it's revisionist history when it comes to him. And then it's the same things that were being said about, Kirsch ever being said about Reichel right now. And when normally when I have the opposite PTSD, when it comes like to the young defenseman, I feel like I have the opposite um, reaction where I'm like, no, that player could still be good. Please give him a chance <laughs> instead of, yeah. Oh, I know it's going to slide down and they're going to, they're going to destroy another <laughs> defenseman. <laughs> yeah. I have more faith in, I don't actually know if Reichel's going to be an NHL player. He does really well. He did really well in the AHL. He did really well overseas. Um, I don't know if those the, the skills are going to fully translate or not, but I, the same way I'm not going to judge Richardson based on his like track record as a coach based on this really shitty roster, I'm not going to judge Reichel completely. That being said, I do think there were some personal issues like just from a per- like his personal performance issues that he got worse as the season was going on. Um, and he's got to figure out like what type of player he, he is again. He's got to find his, his mojo again. So I'm all for him going back to the AHL um, as long yeah. as he 
though yeah. the, my socks aren't very good either. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, and the and the other the other like subtle difference between Kershev and Reichel, well, not really subtle. Is Kershev was a fourth round pick, and who's already pretty much defied the odds just by making it to the NHL, let alone playing 240 games. Um, and Reichel was a first round pick, so there's obviously the higher odds, expectations out of Reichel. The difference in odds between this. Uh, player picked around 17 and a player picked in the fourth round are minimal. You guys have seen the chart. <laughs> you guys have seen the Wait. graph. So, so, <laughs> you it's, seen it's, the, so that's what I just, so I, you know how my pet peeve is throwing the word first round pick. Yes. As if they should necessarily. Number, number have, 20 overall, I want to say was Reichel 17, excuse me. Yeah. He's 17. So, it's an exponential drop and anything from 15 onward is they're closer to each other in terms of probability of making the NHL and making the NHL being a relative term. It's a uh, hundred games, essentially to 200 games, um, depending on what model you're looking for. And then some models also look at like quality chances and stuff like that, but the curve actually still follows the same thing. So it doesn't matter which one you look at, they all exponentially drop off and curve and it's why whenever anybody says, hey, we're getting a first round pick and it's a late first rounder, it's like that's not that much better than a third round pick in terms of probability of that player making the NHL. It just means the team has the ability to select the player that they want the most, mm. which is which is good to have. But it doesn't mean that their probability is any higher. Reichel's probability of making the NHL and being an impactful player is not dramatically different. It's it's closer to Kershev than say even Nazer, who's only ten points or five points. What four 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 yeah, off th- and 13, even yeah. less than Krachinsky, who is taking so even the, higher. So the 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 short version of all that is the gap from 13, 13 where Nazer was picked to seventeen where Reichel picked was picked is not. Is is uh is not as big it's as the gap between Reichel at seventeen and Kershev at like one twenty. Yes. Okay. Watch watch where they plateau. Um, they're they're a little bit closer. The percentages. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't want Reichel to turn out, and that doesn't mean that players in the first round, a lot of them hit one hundred point a hundred games quicker because their teams force that on them. Um, which is why. Some player, like some research has been done in quality of gameplay and game score effect. But again, the charts end up being practically the same. You know, it's all an exponential drop off. So you should expect more from Reichel because the team has put more into him. But that doesn't change the like overall probabilities. And yeah. And this and this is based on the historical context of the historical data of like analyzing where guys were drafted and whether or not they made the NHL or not. Yeah. Right. And, okay. Yeah. So, because because I I I I'm aware of the chart. Maybe we'll have to put it in the comment section of this article, uh, the article for the podcast that'll be up at the website on Thursday. But I always I forget that it's that dramatic because I think this is where uh, the influences of other sports I think come in a little bit because it and and a lot of other sports if you get a late first round pick and compare that to a fourth round pick the value is substantially different. And but it, it, based on this chart and all this data in the NHL, the difference between a late first round pick and a fourth round pick is not anywhere near as big as you would think. Yeah. I mean, like. if you pick in the if you pick like. Twenty one, twenty two, the value difference between that and like a third or a fourth round pick is less than 10 percent. It's like like six percent or something like that. It's really little. It's like. Teeny tiny, because that's where it starts to curve right around the 21 point. That's right when it starts to plateau a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's and again, it's not just it's if you go by game score, if you go by games played, if you go by everything. Um, and there will always be outliners, obviously, but it doesn't matter because chances are it's still a probability thing. Yeah. Um, so be pessimistic because he's doing some bad stuff. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But hope that he turns out better, like another player that we've that was given more time. Yeah, uh, Eric, I don't know if you had anything else to say while we were uh, going through all of that. No, I just think you know, for, for me this year, they put him at center, and I think that that was too much for him. Um, 
and got him off his game or he was he had to think about it in a way that he's not used to and that messed with him enough to kind of knock him off trajectory to start the year and he just never recovered and i mean this is i can't you know speak for certain obviously he's come up a little bit here and there before but he's it's possible he's never struggled like this for a stretch in his career so far because I mean, this is the hardest league. This is the hardest level. And he's playing on a team where there's not really a lot of help. So this is something, you know, I'm assuming he's never really faced or gone through in his career so far. And, you know, I kind of had my reaction change a little bit after I saw the quote from Richardson that I think was Lazarus tweeted out, um, which was more just kind of about like, it was, it was, a you know, um, just the way he talked to Reichel and it was kind of a little bit more, I guess you could say gentle than I expected it to be. And, you know, made it basically just reassuring him how much they're all rooting for him and they want him to go down and like figure it out and get back as soon as possible. And I mean, I think that kind of changed the perspective a little bit just because it's hard not to be, we've all been frustrated. We've been frustrated with the results. We've been frustrated with the way he's been utilized, the amount of playing time that he's had, and so I think it's it's just everyone's been frustrated. It hasn't worked in any regard. So I wouldn't be opposed to even if they just were like, dude, you're going down for the rest of the year. Like, just get back to playing hockey, slay some bums, make some plays, like get your confidence level back up. And then you're going to be coming into a much different team next year. Um, and hopefully he's sheltered a little bit more and he can come in and kind of like, get it going a little bit because, and that's more than anything, you know, we're, we're talking about like Kurashev and even like Felino's on a little bit of a heater right now. And he's making some decent plays, you know, up with those guys on that top line. We just, we haven't seen that from Michael other than like the occasional move or play here or there. It, it hasn't been like a game or two games. And so that's, you know, that's not good. So if he's down there for a couple games, if he's down there for the rest of the year, I mean, the, the hope is the same. Whatever it is, it jump starts him and he gets back to being, you know, kind of the player that we saw some flashes of when he was up with Athens CU last year. There is zero doubt in my mind that one headline next September will be Lucas Reichel believes a starting the season at wing is the key to a better season or something along those lines that they're going to put him at wing from the beginning of training camp. And that will be the belief that. This is what's going to turn shit around for him. And it may not be wrong. It may not be wrong at all, but that's just that that feels like the most obvious of uh, the most obvious of storylines that'll start off at the next season. Um, when it, it, is gets a, here. it is a Chicago tradition, unlike <laughs> the best, any other best training take- camp of his like, He's in the best shape of his life. With training. We're we're at that for baseball season now. Training camp is here. I'm I was sure Gordon about- Beckham's in the best shape of his life right now. I was even saying just taking an athlete that's good at one thing and then trying to make them do something else and then breaking them forever because of that. But, uh, all right. Well, uh, I, I think those are, uh, two of the big topics we wanted to get to, but we've got a few other Blackhawks related things that we do want to discuss, but we're going to take a quick time out before all that, let Betsy's lungs catch up because she hasn't used them as, this much in a while. And we'll, uh, we'll get to some few more things on the other side of this quick break. Welcome back to I almost said another episode like it was the intro. Welcome back to Musings of Addison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, as promised before the break, wanted to get into a few more Blackhawks related things. And I don't know if there's any other major things that uh, are, are worth talking about from the last few weeks of games. Like they've been kind of uh, kind of bland lately, like, uh, you know, right. Uh, let's allow what we talked about in the first half. Like Bernard came back. He's doing some cool things. They just lost to the Flyers, so they've lost what? That's like ten of eleven now, or something along those lines. Um, I, I, I just, I, I'm running out of things to say other than it's bad and it's not going to get better until at least next season, if not later. Um, but uh, Betsy, I don't know since you've been uh, weren't around for last week's show. Did you have any uh, thoughts or anything you've noticed in the last few weeks of games? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. I know. I put, uh, no, I, we all, we're give we give credit 
to Richardson for the team, like, having effort all the time. I don't know totally if that's on the coach or if the players are just professionals that doesn't matter how skilled they are, they're still going to try their hardest most of the time. Like, tonight felt very not yeah. trying hardy. But, yeah, um, I mean, I mean, because if, if you don't have, you know, if you're not playing for – if you're a, a player on an expiring contract, you are playing for your next deal, so you are literally playing for – uh, a potential raise because someone else might throw money at you that the Blackhawks may not. Although the Hawks are throwing money at everyone right now, so <laughs> they got a bunch of dudes playing to try to stay in the NHL though, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, yeah. Like uh, it's it's an interesting juxtaposition because you're sitting there going, I don't want to blame a coach for how poorly the team does, but I also don't want to give him too much credit for how much effort they do because I don't know which is which yet. You just you don't know yet. So, um. But I am giving the players credit, and I'm giving whoever's in charge of that credit. They are giving it their all. They tried their best. Um, it's that little, like that little, like fucked up star. <laughs> you know, it's like you tried your best um, meme. Um, it's, it's, it's the uh, Bart Simpson. At least you tried cake. Um, it's and it feels like such a low bar to clear. But like, what else? What else do you have to say? Yeah, it's, I mean, their their penalty kill's been better credit there you that. Go. like i mean that's nice um that's about it like there's not a whole lot of great to talk about morazic has been pretty pretty good i'm glad he had one like no i don't want to say that was an iffy game because the canes were just like so good um but he mm-hmm. wasn't quite as on on his own standard as usual um but that, that wasn't his fault. Way <laughs> shape or form, that yeah. and that was—I don't even think it was the team in front of them that fault. When you come up against a team that's that good at one keeping the puck and two doing good, like making good chances, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. So I'm not going to hold that against them. Um, they, no, there's nothing. There's not a whole lot else to. <laughs> they're supposedly they have the one of the easiest schedules left. In the NHL, compared to who? Like the rest of the NHL, they're like like, in terms of schedule strength, they had like the third lightest going for the rest of the year, and I was like, okay. Um, I think it was one of was the Athletics or something was Dom, but um, so we'll see what what happens there. But I don't think even if their schedule is weak, that they're going to come out of being in last place. You know, like I think they're. And there's not going to be a whole lot other than Bedard to be looking forward to. Bedard, Vlasic, some Korchinski, you know, be happy Kershev's doing his thing, that kind of stuff. Um, so no, there's not a. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was about to check it on our our uh, our big uh, adopted fandom of the San Jose Sharks, see what they're up to this evening, but doesn't appear that they are playing tonight. So I guess we'll have to. They wait are on a little losing streak. They lost their last two. Yeah. So of the Hawks now. <laughs> yeah. They um they're two points back, but they also have two two games in hand. Yeah. So, so. Uh, yeah, it's just it's you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh Eric, I don't know, did, did you have anything else to add? No, I mean as far as looking forward to, um it looks like Michigan's not that great. So they might be done early. So that might give oh, us a couple extra Nazar games. Um I really I think that's about it at this point. Like Sunday is going to be a big deal because of the ceremony and stuff. Um, so, I mean, you can kind of circle that, but even looking beyond that, um, yeah, we, we were looking at some dates to maybe try to plan something for the site. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like it's, it's going to be over quick. Like, you know, it will not feel like it at times. <laughs> um, but generally, I mean, the season has gone by pretty fast. Like it's, it's pretty crazy, especially when you think about all the things that have happened so far. But it's it'll be done pretty quick, and then you know hopefully there'll be some significant change going into next year, and a top two pick would be great as well while we're there. Um, yeah. But you know, in, in the meantime, I, I, it's just kind of treading water and watching games to appreciate Bedard and what he's doing, and you know, pick up some other development or little plays here or there. Uh, you mentioned it, so I, I decided to look it up. Uh, Michigan's hockey schedule, their last regular season game is March 2nd. The Big Ten tournament, the quarterfinals are March 8th through 10th. 
if they make it to the semis, that's March 16th. If they make it to the championship, that is March 23rd. And then the end, uh, the national tournament is after that. Based off what Michigan has done this season, as you said, uh, they may not even make it out of the quarterfinal series, which means we could have Frank Nazer in Chicago by like March 12th. Assuming he signs immediately, which all signs have been pointing to that happening. So, so yeah, there's there's one thing you can look forward to, people, was we might get to we might get to Frank Nazer hockey and uh, give me a Pedard Nazer on a line just just as Pedard Nazer and Kurashev. Who gives a shit? I don't care. Put them together and just tell them to go do something cool and see what happens. So, that would be fantastic. Yeah. But the other thing you mentioned, Eric, is, is, is one thing I wanted to get to uh, tonight before we uh, adjourn the hockey discussion this evening. And it's it's about Sunday. Uh, part of it is that Patrick Kane's coming back, which I'm almost surprised at how little that is registering on my radar um, because it's just I don't like I, I made peace that Patrick Kane was going to be gone uh, and then they traded him to the Rangers and it's over. And I didn't think he was going to play anywhere else this season. Um, um, and then he ended up signing with the Red Wings, but I just, it's, it feels like Patrick Kane is like, is like retired in my mind. Like I'm forgetting that he's even still an active NHL player. So, uh, especially now, cause the version of Patrick Kane that is playing in Detroit is not the version of Patrick Kane that we saw in Chicago for so long. So, uh, I don't, Eric, did you have any thoughts on Patrick Kane before we get to the other story that night? Well, also, I mean, we've kind of, started the new chapter already, you know, and yeah. we were already talking about, we're looking at a player that we all envision and expect to ultimately be better than Patrick Kane. Um, no, it's crazy. It's a year, a year ago today was his last home game, which Dave, you and I were at, yes, that we was were. that Vegas game where it looked like he won yes. it yes. right at the end. But then they said it was overtime um, or it went past time, I guess I should say. Um, but no, it's, it's weird. There's just, there's no juice there. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I think there's there's some people who are concerned. I've seen it, especially after that Bulls fiasco, that Chelios is going to get booed okay. or Chelios in some capacity. But just the juxtaposition with that, how emotional that was when he left and went there compared to the giant just like shrug when Patrick Kane signed with the Red Wings. And I've said before, my wife is from there. I have, you know, brother-in-law and father-in-law and even a couple buddies out there who were like trying to rile me up about it, you know, Red Wings legend, Patrick Kane. And I'm just, it means nothing to me. Like it's not, it it does not raise the temperature. (laughs) It doesn't. Yeah. Like not even at all. That rivalry has been dead since Brent Seabrook ended it in the 2013 Western conference final. Banish them to the Eastern conference (laughs) where they can go and never make the playoffs again. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's just not, there's really no emotion or anything. So, you know, I'll, I'm sure I will definitely watch at least part of the game and, you know, there'll be a really cool tribute video for him. And it was even cool to hear some of the younger guys talk about, you know, how much they're looking forward to seeing him or, you know, watching his highlights. Yeah. But Darn said he wanted to watch the highlight reel because he's watched his mixtape a hundred times or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that aspect I think is more interesting to me than any kind of like feud or bad blood or anything like that. Uh, I'm going to come back to the Chelios thing in a second, but Betsy, I want to ask if you had any Patrick Kane returning thoughts. Um, well, I was going to point out that you just said somebody just said not to play in the playoffs again, but the Red Wings are in a wild card spot. So, oh, yeah. There's a real there's, possibility that Patrick Kane is going to play in the playoffs. There's a trade deadline and lots of games left. So, <laughs> oh, I know. It's just that, like, they're they're, they're pretty uh, securely in. They're like four points up. Yeah, they're fifth in the Atlantic, but the uh, the other two wild card teams in, are in the Metro. It's New Jersey and New York, the Islanders, and they each have sixty points. Detroit's got sixty four and fifty five. So, four point yeah, lead but, with like twenty seven games left. Yeah, that's not that's not insurmountable. I mean, yeah. that they were they were also in a playoff spot at Thanksgiving, which we all know is the like yeah. mark. <laughs> yeah, but how, so how that either, works. Either way, I I just want to point like I I'm I'm one of those people that's like once you leave the team, most players are like dead to me a little bit until I check <laughs> them out again. Um, so I haven't really been paying that much attention to Kane other than when people retweet his stuff because 
but I looked at his <laughs> just looked at his thing. He would have he would be fifth on the Blackhawks in points, and he's played in of all the players above him, other than Bedard. I think he's played in half those points and he would be fifth. Okay. In terms, Before, of, in terms of points per game. Cause I was going to, I was going to ask this to both of you and some Betsy, I'm assuming you're looking at it. Eric, do you know how many he's played 24 games? Do you know how many points he has? 23. Okay. So you did yeah. I, I was he blown away. Have, I had no idea more, he was doing. He would that. have more points per game. He has more points per game than Bedard does. Now, uh, I lost the, Trade he's whatever. he's also yeah. passing it. He's passing. No, no, that's it to what I'm D- saying. I'm saying obviously Dylan Larkin also, and Alex DeBrinkhead. Yeah, but if you yeah. if you ask, go over to the like Red Wings, uh, our sister blogs and stuff like that. Winging and, it in Motown. Yeah, they were very like they were like a lot of them did not want Kane there for various reasons, and now they're like, why is he the best player on our team? That's silly. <laughs> Like we have Larkin and Dubrinkit and other players. Why is he the best one currently? Because Larkin isn't having a, a good season, according to. And I'm. It's, it's. I don't even know if it's really a bad season. Um, I would take Larkin being a point per game, but like two Red Wings fans, they think Larkin should be better than that. You know, like they feel like he, he should be up there with like not quite Matthews level or McKinnon level, but like one tier below that, like right up there. Um, and before Kane was on their line, he wasn't a point per game. He was like 0.8 or something or 0.85, which is still I think good. But like, yeah, Kane helped Kane, Kane helped. So but my whole thing is like. I didn't, I just, I was starting to look at this stuff and I was looking at their blog when it was happening and, um, and I was reading all their stuff and that's fine. You know, like I just, I don't really care from a Blackhawks perspective of, I'm not, I'm not emotionally attached to Kane now that he's gone. It'd be different if you had somebody like Seabrook coming to play again. I don't. I would be very excited about that, like to just one game like him play. Or I'm sure if you guys like had Corey Crawford get in net or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, like if it was like that type of player. And I just never like Kane was never like my favorite player, despite being offensively the best player. Um, yeah, it just I had other favorites. So it's just and I think the fact that the Blackhawks were so bad for the last little while, and it didn't matter that Kane was pretty good during most of those, like he was great during some of them. And then that last season, he just wasn't good yeah. for the Hawks. You know, he was battling so much um, that it felt kind of like a like his, his Blackhawks uh, like tenure ended on a whimper. And so fans were kind of already – saw the writing on the wall so they were able to come to terms with it which is why there's not a whole lot of like angst about him being anywhere else much less uh with a with a team that we don't have a rivalry with it anymore you know like so it's it's almost a non-factor type of game you know Mm -hmm. other than as eric said it'll be interesting to, to hear bedard talk about like Oh, I grew up on him, you know, and that kind of stuff. Because you're gonna you're gonna get that a lot, but yeah, I don't know. And then uh, to the other point on Sunday, and I'm gonna go chronologically in ascending order by age and start and ask Betsy, did you have any sort of Chris Chelios like the similar thing with Kane? Like, did you have any sort of like emotional attachment or anything to to him when he was in Chicago? No, like <laughs> yeah, kind of, no, because. No, I was a a, chi- a child. <laughs> yeah, I well, I I think that there's and and like I was not I the wing before I turned ten. So yeah, I I need to look up the exact year this happened because I was talking with someone else about this today and I took a guess and it might be wrong. When he you was training, so I would have been turning twelve years old. It was just as about a couple months before my twelfth birthday when he got traded to the Red Wings. So I like I don't have. Like most of my, uh, like the players that I remember the most from that era, like I was a big Eric Daze fan, and I and I think I was more because I was younger, like I was more attracted to the goal scorers, like the the Tony Amani's of the world at that time. I mean, Chelios was the captain, so like obviously he he was important, but there was you know like you, there's certain players you just develop an affinity for, and for me it wasn't Chelios, and I probably didn't 
I was probably too young to appreciate everything that he brought to the Blackhawks. And he was a Chicago native who came back to the team after initially playing with Montreal. And he was the captain uh, for, for many years. And he was on some really, really, really good Blackhawks teams. And he had some incredible moments in his career. So I cannot, I didn't like he, did he win two Norris trophies or just the one? Two, I believe. Three. I, I, I was incorrect twice. He won two with the Hawks and another one in Montreal before he came to the Hawks because I remember when Duncan Keith got his second Norris, that was a big deal that he had tied Chelios. So I like I I can fully like I can uh I don't think I can accurately summarize everything that Chelios meant as like from like a fan perspective in the nineties. So uh but when he got traded to the Red Wings, I think for me it was more about that was the like the last straw of like, oh, this thing is just not going to be any good anytime soon because like so many of the guys had already left, like like Ronick was gone and Belfour was gone. And after Chelios was gone, that just kind of felt like, you know, who's left? And, and the answer, I guess, is Tony Amani, but he wasn't going to carry the team by himself. So that's when you knew uh, this thing was about to careen very far off the rails. And it did for the next decade. Um, but Eric, I'll throw it over to you. Did you have any uh, Chris Chelios thoughts before uh, his big, uh, big event Sunday night? I mean, I think the fact that the Blackhawks have won three cups now, you know, in time yes. heals all wounds like that, that makes it very so. different. And f- I mean, for me, as I'm older than you, I'm a couple years older than you. Um, let it, them trading Ronick and them letting Belfour go and letting Hassett go like, and letting some other key guys from those teams from that Stanley cup, team go it almost felt like it was a matter of time i mean i think the fact that he went to the red wings made it so bad um and i there's some quote that's attributed to him or whatever that said he would never accept a trade to detroit which is why people get all worked up about it and you know used to boo him or whatever but i mean i think the only thing about it that ever kind of made me be like eh was when he would like take the cup to Wrigley Field yeah. with a bunch of like Red yes. Wings dudes yes. and kind of like, you know, and even that, you can't even really get that worked up about it. It's his day. He can do whatever he wants with it. It just felt like, just go to a Tigers game then, man. Like you <laughs> can't, don't John Cusack it where you're trying to like stand on both sides at the same time, like pick a <laughs> side. Um, <laughs> but th- that was a long time ago. He's done stuff with the organization. They've, you know, won a lot of things. Um, he was never my favorite player when he was here, but I also think that's cause as a kid, like he wasn't the flashiest guy. He wasn't the biggest guy. He wasn't the toughest guy, but then you look back and exactly, it's like, wait, how many Norses did he have? Like, damn, like, no, he was, he was really, really good. So I'm sure if I was watching him now or watching some iteration of those teams now, I would appreciate him on a different level than I did as a kid. But when I was a kid, I, I was similar to you. I loved Ronick. I loved like Dirk Graham. I wanted to see, you know, the guys who scored the big goals or the goalie that made a big save. So I didn't really care about defense quite so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the only other thing that's weird and Be- Betsy brought it up. Do you guys realize Seabrook, this is the year his contract ends. It finally ends this. Finally. Um, so he'll be a free agent, but it's, it just feels kind of weird that they're not, that they're going to do the seven thing now. And then I don't know what else they're going to do in the future. And we'll talk about that a year or two down the road, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's hopefully it goes off without a hitch. His daughter works there now. You know, everybody seems to have come around. He's like the, 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 the uncle or the grandpa now. So I don't think he'll get very many booze. So, I you know, hope, I, like that, that's my biggest thing. I hope like that, that's, like the whole thing with uh, Jerry Krause getting booed or Jerry Krause's widow getting booed at the Bulls thing a month or two ago, like that there there's a lot more going on with that situation that we don't have time to get into. And part of it, absolutely, I, a significant absolutely. part of it felt like the way Krause was portrayed in that Michael uh, in the last dance documentary that Michael Jordan was like either the executive producer for or his people made it. He had a significant hand in how everything was portrayed in that documentary and if you remember correctly that came out during like the first month or two after covid and everyone was home and there were no sports so 
everybody fucking watched that thing. And so everybody came away with, oh, Jerry Krause sucks. And that was the way they treated him for decades. So so there's all of that. And again, there's there's way more to get into with that. That's the the cliff notes of that story. But with like with the Chelios thing, like to your point, Eric, like they've won three cups. Like I would hope bygones would be bygones. Uh, I just I was trying to find the the thing the the last time I remember him speaking at the United Center. And so this article is from December of 2010 when he I uh, forget exactly what the the what they were doing. then. I think it's when they. uh they named him an, an ambassador, but that's the last time when he came out and he started talking and they started booing him at the United Center. And this was in December 2010, so it was after the first cup victory. Now, that was 14 years ago. I Things might have changed since then, but I would hope that, like, just let let it go, man. Like, like the Hawks won their three cups. It wasn't it wasn't Chelios' fault that that organization was a complete shit show at the time and that they needed uh, – it wasn't Chelios' fault that things were so bad that he could have looked around and said, get me the fuck out of here and send me to the Red Wings because I can't be – I can't win with this team anymore. That's not Chelios' fault. That's the fault of the people who were in charge at that time. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, and if they're not going to boo Patrick Kane, who made the decision to sign there, like – I don't think that they would boo him or they should boo him. And then also, too, I had a buddy texted me before. I guess the secondary market for the tickets has gone kind of insane. Um, so that leads me to believe that there's a lot of people who want to be there. And at least some of that is going to be for Chelios and it's not just for Kane. So I would think that, to me, that's a sign of goodwill, that people want to be there to see him and to celebrate him. So I, I don't think he will get booed. I would be very surprised if he did. Yeah, I, I hope so too. It's just it's just it seems uh just just a bad look. So I, I, I hope they don't do that. Two thousand and ten you said when he was booed then, that's like too close to one, the rivalry still existed and two, he was still pl- I know technically he, he retired that year, but um, Yeah, he played seven games with with uh, yeah, with the Thrashers. Thrashers. <laughs> I know because there's a bar in Atlanta that has like that 2009, 2010 teams like signatures on a jersey, and I remember being like, "The fuck," because um, I forgot that he played. <laughs> it was like seven games; it was nothing. Um, but yeah. Well, I even remember there was like a whole thing where like him and Ronick and Amonti were like training together because they wanted to try to like m- come back. For the, yes. play on the Blackhawks, yes. like, like one Ronick more was time. openly campaigning for like a fourth line spot in like oh eight or oh nine or something, and uh, yeah, the, the Hawks didn't pick up the phone. No, which and and, and I guess they were right because that that team did win pretty well. Um, so yeah, um, I, I I I can't. Uh, I don't know how many people who are listening to this will be at that game and would listen to me if I told them, but I don't know, just. Boo- booing a guy on uh, on his jersey retirement, it just seems wrong to me. I guess, and, and like unless and and uh, there there are there are reasons. Like, there's nothing that I think Chris Chelios, as far as I know, there's no like off ice transgre- transgressions. Like, nothing's come to light. Like, there's no. It's all the reason people want to boo him is because he went to the Blackhawks rival. So, I, that just that that. No. That was a long time ago. We, we can let the, that go. What if there was a Detroit sucks chant while he was talking? <laughs> Would you be all right with that? I fine. Well, I mean, they're they're playing the Red Wings that night, so I guess it's okay. It's it's okay. going to be an interesting game overall, just with 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 Chelios there and and Kane coming back and and Debrinket coming back too. Like, forget about Alice Debrinket, but uh, there's that too. Um, yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, should be a, a fun night at the, uh, the old, uh, United center. Um, I don't have any other with the Blackhawks also. Is there anything else to, uh, to dive into before we, uh, swing it over to a food take and get out of here? I do not believe so. All right. Well, Betsy, hopefully you're, uh, you're, you're ready for one last shift this evening because we did have, you were absent last week. And we came up with a uh, an Ask a Southerner question that we wanted to direct to you. So uh, where do you stand on the – let's just call it the red licorice game. 
or not that game, but just like the flavors. Like which which what's your brand for that? I should say. Red licorice. Yeah, because there's there, there's two obvious ones here, but I don't even want to name them because part of this conversation is we're not even sure. We we don't know how far this uh this particular food item extends. Um, nationwide, but Twizzlers. <laughs> it's like the only ones I can think of. Red vines exist, but they're not like like super big down here. Okay, because that was our that was our discoveries that the uh, red vines are made about uh, an hour east of where I'm sitting right now. So uh, we didn't know if they get down to the south or not, and then that led into a healthy discussion on whether or not uh, licorice is a nationwide. Well, I mean, it's a nationwide thing, but I guess whether or not Twizzlers and red vines make it down to the south or not. Twizzlers do. Yeah, Twizzlers um, is. I feel like that's. A I, th- I thought it was brand. I thought it was more Betsy. Do you know what a super rope is? Oh, super rope. That's right. It was not like absolutely okay. do not know what that is. What is that? Thank okay, you for correcting me. God a damn, super I'm, rope. I'm so wrong. No, we were talking about like as kids up here, when I would go to a baseball game or like a sporting event with my dad, I would always want to get a super rope. A super rope is like a three foot long red licorice. Um, it's not the consistency is kind of different than either a red vine or a Twizzler. Like I'm trying to think there's a big one. I think it's called like wallaby or something. It's some Australian, but it's like a soft red licorice. That's kind of everywhere up here now. Or like Trader Joe's does one too. It's more like that. It's like softer. If you've ever had like real licorice before, um, not stuff that's been on the shelf for seven years before you get to it. But yeah, so it's, it's three feet long. It comes in this super long wrapper. Like as a kid, you would buy it. You'd kind of, or at least I would, I'd unwrap the one end and then you kind of like loop it around your shoulders, almost like you'd wear like a feather boa or like a (laughs) snake or something. And then you just kind of eat a little bit at a time. But yeah, it's a three feet long red licorice. Interesting. No, I, I don't remember ever seeing that when I was a kid. Um, I wouldn't eat it. I don't like licorice, so that's not something I would, um, like I've never liked Twizzlers very much. Um, but if you were going to go into, like, I don't, I, whatever, I, my dad was a little league director. Um, so I went to a lot of baseball games and was essentially given like $5 and was told to go play while the, while he coached and then, or, and, or was an administrator. Um, and so I remember going to the concession stand a lot and there being Twizzlers there, but nothing, no other brand, no, no giant ropes of it okay. that I the only thing that I can think of that was like long and it was the, the, the bubble gum that you could pull out of the container because it was wrapped up and it was like a, like three feet of bubble gum. Oh, yeah. bubble tape. Yeah, bubble tape. Um, yeah. The only one that I can think of that was tape-like back then that would be long. That's the only candy I can think of. But even that, you'd have to unfurl the whole thing to see how long it was. Like the tube, it looked like a little... Um, like shell cassette, yeah, like a little thing you can, yeah, put. like a tape measure almost, or yeah, something. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you <laughs> a lot of kids would just take the entire thing and roll it all the way out though, um, at the park, and then you'd just like share it with everybody. Um, oh, I, I played baseball with a psycho who'd stick the whole thing in his mouth, Ew. he just he'd open the case and pull the whole thing out as like all coiled up like this just wad and just put the whole thing in his mouth. Uh, I don't even know how you chew that. That sounds like something a child would do. Wait, how old was this when, how old was this person when they were doing this? Like 10 or 11. Okay. Yeah. That that sounds exactly more specifically. It sounds like what a 10 year old boy would do. What's the, there was a, there was a brand of candy that was the same way. That was like, not foot long. I'm not, I'm thinking of a hot dog, but like, uh, something by the foot. Fruit by the foot. Yeah. Fruit by the foot. That was down here too. Yeah, they still have those. Do they? <laughs> yeah, my kids got some, I think, for like Halloween or something last year. Or like every parade out here, they have floats and everybody throws out candy and like fruit snacks and stuff. And I wonder yeah, I haven't seen like, it in a long time. Candy goes away, like candy gets retired because like uh, Juicy Fruit being retired this, this year or very late last year was a big thing. There were a lot of people that were like from the 90s that were like, Juicy Fruit? And then you remember that, oh yeah, that. That gum sucked. 
you know, <laughs> yeah, like a <laughs> really blast of, of juicy flavor for like 30 seconds and then it was a terrible gum. Um, yeah. But I was like, when does candy stop existing? So I just assume a lot of stuff from the 90s doesn't exist anymore, the 90s and early 2000s. But I guess it does. Fruit. What'd you call it? Fruit by the foot. Fruit by the foot's still around. Yeah. Before we get completely away from licorice, too, I will say, I know you said you don't like it, Dave. It, I know you like super ropes. You're pro super ropes. But anybody listening, if you ever come across, there was a guy at this farmer's market we used to go to in Michigan, and he would make homemade licorice and like homemade licorice ropes. So he had all kinds of different flavors with like different fillings and stuff. If you can ever get like fresh licorice anywhere like that, it is unbelievable. I've never, I mean, I've, I felt like I've never tasted licorice before. Like this is what it's actually supposed to taste like. Well, it was it, fantastic. Yeah. He made it homemade. So it's just like, if you go to like an old time candy or like a taffy place where they like make it right in front of you and you get it fresh, you don't ever get any of these things fresh, but yeah, fresh licorice, homemade licorice. Fantastic. Phenomenal. All right. Cause I was just in the, I saw a place that served uh it was like old school fountain soda. Like like the old school, like you put in like the, the soda, then you mix in the syrup and stir it all in. Like yeah. That, yeah. The the real old school stuff. And I now I want to know if that place does uh licorice that's uh of the way you describe it. So well let me know. Yeah. If if you come okay. across them, it's definitely worth yeah. it. Yeah. And then, uh, no, we still got to do our uh, our field trip for the Super Rope headquarters. I can't gotta believe get I... them to sponsor us. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll walk in with our uh, our wonderful uh, our wonderful merch with our brilliantly designed logo, and we'll be like they got to support us. Actually, the the red circle in our logo that's actually Super Rope. Change it to a Super Rope. <laughs> we should. There's, it's I'm, I'm looking at, like is it, it's uh, I thought it was a red circle on the inside of the uh, never mind I the, the red circle that I thought was in the logo isn't actually there so uh, but we'll put one there now it'll be a super rope there we go that's our uh, that's our discovery this evening corporate tie-in <laughs> perfect second city hockey presented by super ropes there we go so, yep. so yes someone from uh, someone from super ropes please call us. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks to Betsy and Eric for hanging out this evening. Thanks to you for listening. And uh, I'm sure we'll be back next week with uh, uh, another update in whatever cool thing Connor or Connor Bedard did that week, um, because that's about all we've got in this week. So uh, we'll talk to you then.